reading this morning, um, our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, and it is printed on page 77 in your New Testament section of the Bible. So I invite you to follow along as I read that this morning. Listen for the word of the Lord. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard a crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then the blind man shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm blind. Okay, maybe not like the guy in this story, but every morning I experience what it must have been like for him when Jesus healed him of his blindness. Some of you might have the same experience. When I open my eyes in the morning, everything is fuzzy. It's bad, y'all. I can't see the numbers on the alarm clock. And when my kids come into the room, because they always do in the morning to wake us up, even though we tell them not to, I can't tell which kid it is until they start talking. So the first thing I have to do when I get out of bed is put on my contacts. And it's amazing I can see. So I can sort of relate to what it feels like to be blind and then suddenly be able to see. But I wonder, what about you? Can you relate to this blind man? Or as I was reflecting on the story, is this just kind of a weird thing? Because if you haven't really experienced physical blindness, to think about Jesus healing someone of blindness... And as I thought about it some more, there are actually a lot of stories about Jesus healing people who are blind. And Jesus himself came and said that he was here to preach good news to the poor, to free the oppressed, and bring recovery of sight to the blind. And in probably the most well-known hymn, we sing the words, I once was blind, but now I See, what's up with this metaphor of being blind and then being able to see? Do you connect to that? Is that your story? Well, I'm here to tell you that that is your story. If you know that you were spiritually blind before Jesus healed your sight. But the first step for all of us, is to realize our blindness, to realize that we were blind. Remember the Apostle Paul 
that goody two-shoes who thought he was God's best right-hand man. Remember what God did to him? God literally struck him with physical blindness so that he would realize his spiritual blindness. Let's hope God doesn't need to do that with us. I remember the first time that I got glasses. It was in about fifth grade, and that was my first eye exam also. So when the glasses came in and the eye doctor put them on my face, I remember looking outside and and looking up at the trees and saying incredulously, they have leaves. No, really, I didn't know that people could actually see that clearly, see the detail of those leaves because it had all looked like a blur to me. I had no idea that I had not been able to see clearly until I got those glasses. And I think so often we don't even realize that we can't see clearly, that we're blind. So I've been thinking about this question, what causes us to be blind or what keeps us in spiritual blindness? I've been thinking about that a lot for the last couple of weeks. Well, last Saturday, I had the opportunity to fly to San Francisco because my brother lives there, and I was there to surprise him for his 40th birthday. And his surprise party was that night. Um, And so I had the afternoon free, and one of my best friends lives in Santa Cruz, which is about an hour um, south of San Francisco um, on the beach. The most direct way to get to Santa Cruz is... Um, through a highway called Highway 17, which if you've been on it, it's a very windy and kind of treacherous highway that goes through mountainous geography. But if there's an accident or if there's a lot of traffic for, for people going to the beach, which there often is, then you can get stuck on Highway 17 because there's no other way um, you're in the mountains. Well, I was on my GPS and I noticed on the map that there was this red line on Highway 17, and I knew that it was going to be um, a pretty long ride. But my husband, who is from that area, um, told me, actually his mother told me about an alternate way to Santa Cruz. And in fact, they used to live on that mountain, and she told me once that you could take the back road through the Redwood Forest um, if you took the road by their house. So, thinking I was going to take a shortcut and would bypass all the traffic on Highway 17, I ended up turning off to go on that road. Well, what I didn't know and what the GPS doesn't show you is that the terrain is even more mountainous that way and the road is even windier than Highway 17. And now, all of a sudden, the estimated time to get to my friend in Santa Cruz um, was an extra hour than what it was originally what it originally said, which meant that I had less time to spend with her before I had to rush back to San Francisco for the party. Well, this caused me to stress, and I confess to speed a little bit. Except that when you're going on a very windy road on hairpin turns on a mountain, you can't go very fast. So there I was, gripping the steering wheel for dear life in my rental car. And all I wanted to do was just to get there. I was just focused on the road, like, get there, get there. And if there was a car in front of me, I was like, come on, move, move, move. And it struck me 
at one point as I'm driving on this windy road in California, and did I mention that I was in the redwood forest? That there were these magnificent trees all around me, towering above me. And had it been any other circumstance, I would have really enjoyed looking up and admiring the beauty surrounding me. But you know what? I couldn't see any of that beauty. I couldn't see those humongous trees all around me. I was blind to them because I was distracted by my circumstances. I was distracted by where I wanted to go. And I think it's the same for us. We are so often blinded by our many distractions. We're also blinded by our self-sufficiency. I should have trusted my GPS when it told me that despite traffic, I would get to Santa Cruz the quickest way on Highway 17. In the earlier service, someone um, pointed out that I was comparing God to a GPS. <laughs> but I thought I knew better. When I turned off to the road of my own choosing and GPS recalculated my route with a longer time, I didn't believe it. I thought I could get there on my own and faster. And one reason I think that we don't trust the Lord in our daily lives is that we feel sufficient or adequate in ourselves. Sure, we might ask him for a little help now and then, maybe when we get a little lost or when we need something. But we don't acknowledge what, the, what he told the disciples, which is, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's hard for us. That feeling of self-sufficiency or not wanting to depend on anyone else. Sometimes this is called pride. This keeps us spiritually blind. So distractions, pride. Well, when the things didn't go my way that day and I felt stressed, I was also blinded by my emotions. You've heard that love is blind. Well, it's also true that anger is blind and deep sadness can be blind Our emotions color the way we see our world and our lives. And sometimes we don't always see clearly. What we feel can distort what we think and kind of change our view of reality. So there are many reasons we can be spiritually blind and not even know it. You can probably think of some more yourself. Or maybe the Holy Spirit will nudge you today. But the question I think we're all here to answer what we want to know is, well, what can we do done about it? What can we do, be done about our blindness? How can we come to see? In the story we read this morning in Luke, a blind beggar finds out that Jesus is walking along the road to Jericho where he is. And when he finds that out, he shouts, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. And get this, the people who are up front in that crowd, who were there right next to Jesus, probably thought they were pretty important because they were right up close and were with him. They tell the beggar to shut up. Yeah, I know that's a rude way of saying it, but that's what they do. The Bible says they sternly ordered him to keep quiet. They didn't like him. Kind of messing up their plans that day. But what does a blind beggar do? It says that he starts shouting even louder. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's screaming, Jesus, have mercy, have mercy. That's kind of awkward. This man humiliates himself in front of this crowd and in front of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you all, but I do not like to make a scene in public. And I don't like it when my kids make a scene in public. But this blind guy, he humbles himself to the point of humiliation because he's desperate to be healed. He's desperate to see. Have you ever been that desperate for Jesus to heal you of your blindness? You see, this guy knew he was blind. He screamed out for Jesus to heal him. What would it be like for you and for me to have that kind of humility, to be that desperate for God to change your life? I'll tell you that it first takes recognition that we are blind. It takes recognition that we need that kind of healing. And friends, I don't mind telling you that I know that I'm blind. I know I'm blind in so many ways, but I also know that I need a lot more desperation rather than self-sufficiency so that I can cry out to Jesus and humility for him to heal my blindness. What would it look like if we were all shouting, Jesus, have mercy? So Jesus finally can't ignore this man. He says, come here. The man comes up. And Jesus asks him this very interesting question. He asks, what do you want me to do for you? That might seem a little bit obvious. But Jesus is asking us that same question today. What do you want me to do for you? Well, the blind man could have said, well, Jesus, I just want you to make sure that my life is secure from here on out. Make sure that I have a good retirement plan, enough money for a retirement, that I'm set. I want you to make sure that my kids get into a good college. I want you to make sure that I have good health and my family has good health for the rest of our lives. No. The blind man says, let me see again. Let me see again. He gets right to the heart of it. First, you have to know that you're blind and then you have to ask to see But that's not all. Seeing is not just having your sight restored. Let's say that again. Seeing is not just having your sight restored. Did you catch what the former blind man did? Verse 43. It says, Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God immediately. It's almost like those two things happened right at the same time. Jesus restored his sight, and immediately this man began following Jesus. Sight restored, followed Jesus. He became a disciple. You and I can claim to be Christians. We can claim to believe in God's love for us, but it might not make a difference in our lives if we, unless we become disciples of Jesus, unless we become followers of Jesus, just like this blind man. 
So a little bit about my story. I grew up in a home that was pretty religious. My parents were what they would say devout Christians, and they went to church every Sunday, they gave faithfully, financially to the church, they did all the right things. Um, But to my parents, and particularly my father, it was a very legalistic kind of faith. And so he was more concerned about how we acted and made sure that we behaved the right way outwardly. But at home, it was often a different story. He was pretty arrogant, and the way he treated um, us or sometimes other people was not very Christianly. He had um, an issue with his temper. And so oftentimes we felt like in our home we were walking around on eggshells. And so here I was growing up in a home that um, on the outside looked like we were a good Christian family. We did all the right outward things. And my father um, expected us to have very high behavioral standards for what we did and didn't do. And yet the heart of it was there was a lot of anger or a lot of bigotry um, in his life. And what I became, what I came to know about God and Jesus in Scripture was very different from what I saw um, lived out in my father's life. And so early on, when I came to know Jesus as um, my Savior, I recognized that this God of grace who loved me unconditionally because I felt this conditional love at home was um, different from my father who um, had the right outward appearance and yet did not always treat others in the way that Jesus would treat them. And for me... I saw someone who thought they could see, who thought they had all the right answers, who thought they were a Christian, and yet missed it because in many ways my father was spiritually blind. And I, when I recognized that, I said to God, I do not want to be like that. God, Have mercy on me. Heal me of my blindness, my spiritual blindness, that I may truly be your disciple. Friends, I wonder, what is keeping you from being that follower of Jesus? Do you recognize your own spiritual blindness? And have you had the humility to ask Jesus to heal you of that blindness. Churches can be blind. We can be doing our same thing over and over again and not realize the things in our midst that God wants to change us of. Our communities can be blind. Whole peoples can be blind. I don't know about you, but I am sick of the shootings. Sick of them. And I'm sick that and tired of the fact that We hear about them so often that we can become numb to them and blind to them, right? Last Sunday in a small church in Texas, in my home state, there was half that congregation that was killed. And yet here we are in another week. We can become blind. And we, too, need to cry out to Jesus loudly in desperation, Jesus, have mercy on us. 
We need him to heal us of our blindness. I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you are blind and to remove those things that blind you so that you, that you can follow him more closely. There is a saying that seeing is believing, which means, of course, that you won't believe it unless you see it. But in this story, in our text, we find that seeing is not just believing, because when Jesus restored this man's sight, he had faith, he believed, but his faith led to something else. It led to him getting up and following this Jesus. Have you had your sight restored, and will you follow him? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.